Welcome back to The Right Angle. G-Man is there, Mo is here, and we are about to bestow some more wisdom upon you. G-Man, first question right out of the box, totally unrehearsed as always. What, what does the left and the Democrats expect when they poke the bear, they poke the bear, they poke the bear? What does a bear do? Does he lay down and die? Well, that depends on... <laughs> On that particular Republican, as far as that goes. All right, let's uh, say the bears Mitch McConnell. Yes, oh, they have to poke in, him to see if he's alive. Yeah, much he goes less in, to lay down and die. Gets into his shell. Exactly. Yep. I, I, um, I know what they expect, and they're laughing as they poke the bear because they're going. They're the bear's doing nothing. He's harmless. Don't worry about that bear sleeping in his den getting hungrier every day and uh -huh. he hasn't eaten and then pretty soon they poke it one too many times and then all of kingdom come comes down on top of them which is what's starting to happen right now yeah I, do you think there's any scenario i i've been thinking about this a little bit lately let's say 2020 happens as it did with the stolen rigged, however we want to term it. And Trump does his thing and he's obviously upset and does what he does. As soon as Biden gets into office, he just throws accolades and tells Trump what a great job he did and says, I inherited this great economy and COVID screwed it up, but I couldn't be happier with everything you've done and you were a great president. Do you think that would have made any change in either Trump's decision to run again or just sort of how he's handled himself and what he's done? And P.S. to that, if they wouldn't have launched all these fraudulent investigations, which resulted in all these inflated charges, do you think there's any scenario under which he would not have run again? No, none whatsoever. <clears throat> he knows, and, and the entire uh, population that has a brain of the United States knows this election was stolen 110%. You don't have, you don't have anybody in, president, in, in modern times, I'll say, because I can't go back that far. Mm -hmm. You don't have anybody in modern times that didn't campaign for the president of the United States, and Haydn didn't. He literally was in his basement the whole time. And the two or three times he came out, he couldn't fill, like I said, a, uh, you know, Minimart parking lot. Right. <laughs> with people to, to sit there and listen to what he had to say. And I told my highly liberal friend back in 2020, I, I told her, I said, do you think he's demented in any way, shape or form? Oh, no, 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 no. That's just, you know, I can't remember what she said because it goes in one and out the other. But I'm going to talk to her again this summer sometime when I have nothing else to do <laughs> and, and go over some facts that have happened and occurred since he stole the election from Trump. There's no way that Trump didn't win that election, period. I don't know if that part of it is becoming more and more evident. I know it, it is kind of interesting that he has said, we're going to be so busy succeeding that we won't have time to look back and complain about what happened, which would be ideal because when you do that, if you put people at ease, then suddenly you could pull the rug out from under them as opposed to going in saying, the first thing I'm going to do is persecute all these people and prosecute all these people but if he just goes about his business and then one day, you know, six months or a year into his presidency, he says, huh, well, let's get old Crooked Joe thrown into jail or let's get him whatever. Um, it will be interesting to see how he approaches that first six months and year of his second term. I, I'm kind of now to the point where I don't believe that throwing Haydn in jail does anybody any good he's he's nothing anymore yeah as far as that goes he's not doesn't have the capabilities of probably possibly even knowing 
what it's going to be like if he were to be put in jail. As far as <laughs> he may that not goes. know the difference. Yes, exactly. And you know, he'll just be carted around and you know, spoon fed like he is now. Mm-hmm. He'll get his ice cream once a day, and he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, if he was in jail as as opposed to the White House. But I agree. I think that's an excellent way of going about it. And I would I wouldn't be going after um, Hayden. I'd be going after his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost, and I'd open up that laptop, and I'd I'd find out every single thing there is about it. I was just talking to my beloved bride tonight, and I was saying one of the hardest things, if I was Trump, would be to make sure this time that I find somebody to run the CIA and FBI that's legitimate. That's going to be tough. There aren't a lot of people that backed him, even people that you thought should have backed him. Uh, you know, when he said that, you know, you need to check the the records again on this last election, and and everybody knew, of course, it was stolen. But but not a lot of people backed him on that, and I just think that's going to be a very tough thing for him to, you know, figure out. Yeah, it, it will be interesting, and we speak in future tense like the day after the election when a valid and correct election, which now the Democrats say they won't certify and all that. But let's say all goes according to reason. How, I mean, that time between November 6th or 7th or whenever it is this time around, and when he gets sworn in, not that he's not doing it right now, but he is going to really be so busy buckling down and to your point, finding out who those people are. Because last time, being such a newbie and an outsider, I know he probably took a lot of advice that he regrets now because he assumed that once he got elected, everyone would be on his side if you were a Republican, which they clearly won't. So it is going to be tricky, but if there's anyone up to the task, we know who it is. And I think he's been looking for four years. Because I know that he knew he was going to be running again, and if he's going to, and if he's going to be running against Hayden, that he was going to win again for a third time. Yeah, and he, I'm sure, is getting his ducks in a row, and that'll be the really to me the most um, eye-opening thing as to who he'll pick for all of his, uh, you know, all of all of his administration, and and, and he's. He's going to have such a cakewalk when he does that because every single person in Hayden's administration is a 137% (laughs) failure in what they do. Every one of them is a failure. They're they're deer in the headlights, idiotic, stupid people. So I, I know that everyone's going to be clapping real loud for whoever he decides is going to be you know, the Department of Transportation, for instance, instead of Juicy Boot, oh, gosh. Booty Juice. Um, when's the last time, I was just thinking, when's the last time he made a public statement? They keep trotting these people out, him, and then, of course, Carmela, um, the Energy Secretary, Lady uh, Gretchen. No, not Gretchen, uh, Jennifer, once Grand in a while. Home, yeah. And yeah. then uh, that, that trans queer guy uh oh, they, they they just keep trotting the people out they keep failing but they never i mean they go away in the sense that you don't hear from them but they never go away in the sense that he replaces them right and i don't know if that's because he doesn't have anyone better i guess or he doesn't care i i don't know which i don't think it's either i think it's just that he doesn't have the capabilities in his mind to do that anymore and whoever's running him as a puppet doesn't care about yeah, placing the people that are there. If they did, every single one of them is an embarrassment. <laughs> every one of them. I mean, I mean that Granholm woman uh, was talking about electrifying tanks in yeah. the military. <laughs> we can't. We can't even get cars to work right. Can you imagine getting tanks to go out and fight a war? It's it's <laughs> it's you know. First of all, everyone remember this. Tanks are about. I don't know what sixty tons mm-hmm. when they're gas powered. What are they? Are they one hundred and twenty tons with batteries in them? 
when they're going around because cars sure as heck are three times the weight they are with batteries in them. Yep. It's just... <laughs> and they, they come out on, on, on uh, the news and they talk about that. And if I were the Secretary of Transportation or what? Oh, she's energy. Yeah. She's energy. And they said, okay, uh, uh, go out and tell them that we're going to electrify <laughs> tanks for, for military stuff. So I go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look like an idiot. You go out and do it. You go out and tell them we're going to be doing this stuff. And then then we're going to use bullets with those little plastic uh, orange tips on them so that we don't really kill anyone, but we'll shoot them in the eye and take them prisoner. <laughs> oh, I was thinking the more... I hear and read and consume about Barry Obama, who I'm more convinced than ever was likely not born in the good old United States. But apart from that, as bad of a president as Biden, Hyden, Lyden is, which he's clearly incompetent, I think Barry was extremely competent, but maybe, I don't know if, Evil is quite the word, nefarious, but he's corrupt. got a rank. Yeah, corrupt. He's got a rank in the top three in terms of what his intentions were for the United States. And if he, I assume he was lying the whole time when he was talking back in like 2004 about bringing the country together and there's no black and white and all that stuff. But he, he, he just, he's a bad dude. I think he's sharply corrupt. Uh, he's devious. He doesn't have good foreign policy, didn't have good foreign policy, certainly didn't have good American policy with what he did with his godforsaken, uh, you know, health care plan. Oh, geez. Health care for everybody. That I'll never forget when I heard that they were, they were doing that, and I was wondering how that was going to work. And I remember going in and my dental receptionist was telling me, she goes, guess what? She goes, um, I had to pay for my own health care, but because when Obama came in uh, and he did his, his plan where everybody gets health care, I now uh, have to pay $600 a month more to have my health care that I, that I had before this health care for everybody. And, and she couldn't get rid of her health care anymore because everyone had to have it. Remember that? Oh, yeah. You had to that have was it. A black and, and that was the $600 that, that you had to pay to make sure that you have it. Man, I, I recall, pretty sure I got around that somehow. But maybe it was at a time where I was working for a company that paid for it. You know, I'd have to go back and think. Maybe not, but... Yeah, that was that was some dark days. Just that whole skin crawling idea, and it was. Hmm. Would you say being compelled to wear a mask and all this thing about vaccine vaccination was that more an intrusion on your inalienable rights than the idea that you had to purchase something against your will? What it was. What was worse for you? Do you remember? The wearing the mask and the, the, you know, all of the, all the crap with that stuff was much worse than, I didn't have to pay for yeah. the, because um, I only say that she did work for the government and because she worked for the government, our, nothing happened to our health care. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It was all, it was all the <laughs> private sector that got screwed on Hussein's healthcare plan. So I didn't, I wasn't affected by that. If it were to the point where I had to do that, I would have, I would have just said, no, I'm not paying for it. And then come after me if you want to, because you can't do anything to me. Yeah. It's unconstitutional, That's which sort of, of what course they all found out. Yeah. Was, was that it was that way. Surprise, surprise, yeah. surprise. Exactly. Is everybody that stupid now? Do they not teach anything in school now about this, you know, the Supreme Court and the Constitution? It's uh, I was just thinking back when I was saying surprise to Gomer Pyle when he used to say that. Oh, yeah. To Sergeant oh, yeah. Carter. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. That's and, and that's what it was to a lot of people. Yeah, it was a big surprise. I I would I never, as I have said, I've never gotten any inoculations in my life, and I certainly wasn't going to start with what was going on there. I said to myself, um, if I'm going to get a cold or a sneeze or a flu, I'll, I'll go through that stuff all day long. Because guess what? Maybe I have in my past. I don't know. I don't remember. But I'm not having anybody shoot crap into my body. <laughs> to, just to think that it's going to help my body fight something that will already fight better than what you're sticking into my body. Uh, I, I flash back to when we first started uh, podcasting almost three years ago, believe it or not. Well, I guess we got we a few more months until our third year anniversary when I'm sure we'll have some celebrities on. But yeah, just that, oh, that was a, a creepy time for sure. The only good thing that came out of it was probably the right angle. Yeah, there you go. There so. you go. That's exactly <laughs> what caused this to happen. That's exactly what caused this to happen. Oh, man. I said, there's what? too much crap out there that we can't talk about now. And then it just keeps piling up and piling up. Yeah. Speaking of which, what do you have for us? Speaking of flu shots and okay i just i whenever they've got those uh you know i don't know it's called farnexga or whatever the oh some yeah medicine for something yep. that, that you need or whatever and they're every as i've said before and I, I won't belabor the issue but when they have those ads you'll notice that every single person through the whole ad which is usually 90 seconds to two minutes Everyone is smiling and having yep. a good time. Yeah. And, and, and I, I say to myself, aren't you talking about a cancer drug, you know, or, or some sort of lymphoma, something that's going on? And every single one of them has at the bottom the small print. And it's so, so much small print that they have to do it in two different sections of the ad. Yeah. So I stopped it. And I'm going to tell you the symptoms. Oh, another one. Okay. Of the Farxiga Okay. Right? I love the names. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, symptoms include nausea, vomiting, stomach pains, tiredness, trouble breathing, ketones in your urine or blood. Yikes. Fever, weakness, tenderness, redness or swelling of the genital area. And I'm Ooh. going, hey, sign me up for that crap. <laughs> You know, inject me with that stuff because I want to have all that. I want to have that swelling of the genital area when I get that in my blood. Or I could have the, the, the capabilities of having that down there. Are you kidding me? It sounds like, it sounds like somebody where they're going, you know, yes, he has all these symptoms. And, yeah, he's, he's got about three days and he's going to be dead. You know, instead of, yeah, we just injected him so he wouldn't get this one thing. But now here he is in bed, and he's all swollen up and tenderness and weakness and blood. Well, and suits, you know, it's I like, was th what? I was thinking tenderness. That wouldn't be so bad if you were like a more tender person. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably not what they mean. Uh, it is not what they meant. <laughs> tenderness, redness, or swelling of the genital oh, area. Oh, there we go. That's, that's uh, one of the things. And I, I, I look at those things, and I've, I've done that for years. You know, I've always <laughs> kind of read the small print when they're doing it just to see how bad they can get you close to death by inoculating you with this stuff. And then I, I occasionally will be going out to dinner with friends and they'll be talking about, oh, yeah, I got this shot for this or that or the other thing. And I'm smiling inside going, <laughs> uh, thank you, mother and father, my mother and father, uh, for guiding me along the right lines, which is. Your body takes care of itself most of the time. Yep. And you don't need these fake drugs to do it. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was, in the grand scheme of things, that was a pretty short list, unless that was just the first That, that was but... the first one. That was oh. the first one of the two. Okay. Okay. The other one was a little smaller, and I couldn't, oh. couldn't get the rest of it out of it okay. in that oh. amount of time. But, but yeah. I can do it next time if you want me to. Okay. Yeah. We can take up 10 minutes. Part that. two. But, oh. but does, it, does anyone look at that? Does anybody out there look at those symptoms that are caused by the injection they're giving you? 
Or does your doctor even tell you? Yeah, because certainly uh, the doctor's got to have that same list. And you would assume would legally probably have to read it or I guess send it on a piece of paper along with the prescription or the whatever it is. Uh, I just can't even fathom it. So it's hard to hard to relate to it. Well, one, one other thing I'm going to regurgitate real quickly okay. because it's along the same lines and it has to do with my brother when he was in the printing business. Uh, I don't know, this was 20 years, 25 years ago. And he had a friend that, that did labels. I think I told you this. He did labels for heart medicine. This guy did for this okay. gigantic heart company. And I, I don't remember the name of it uh, at this time, but I, I've got a little bit of hiding going on me here. But uh, <laughs> um, he was printing this label for this heart medicine for I don't know how long, uh, a year, year and a half. He was mm-hmm. printing them, he was printing them, he was printing them. And all of a sudden, the, these, this company came to him and said, so-and-so, we want you to print this label now. And he thought it was going to be like an update of this thing. And he looked at the label, and he looked at the one he'd been printing, and it was, it was diametrically opposite oh, of what you're supposed to do with that medicine. It was, it was 100% diametrically opposite. And, and the, the guy, he said on the guy, he says, I've been printing the opposite of what you just said here. He goes, I, I know. He said, just, just print it the other way. He goes, he goes, no, no, I won't do that. He says, I won't be, I'm not going to be associated with you anymore. If they're going to come at me being the printer and saying, this is how you're supposed to take it for two years. And this is how you were taking it. They could sue me. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of everything. And he goes, I'll take care of everything. I'm not printing your labels anymore. And it was a huge, huge contract with these people. Hmm. Wow. Standing but on principles. Imagine standing that. on principles and, and fear yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of getting sued for something like that. But, but he said it was absolutely amazing. And he showed my brother the label because my brother happened to go there that day to do something. And he said, look at this. Look at what they're doing. My brother goes, yeah, it's amazing. Really stupid. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I don't know. Along those kind of same lines, in at least in the vein of medication and whatever, I don't think I've relayed this story and I won't make it a long one, but there's a woman that I've met and interviewed and, and talked with and traveled with even when we went to New York uh, about a year and a half ago who is blind now. And she was normal sightedness until she was about 55, 56, something like that. And she had something was wrong with her. And she took a single pill right before bed. She woke up in the morning blind. Ooh. And so I asked her after, after I got to know her a little better, um, very, I mean, very high spirited, very accomplished person and loves life and all that. And I said, I said, well, you do not have a giant house and you don't have a ton of money in the bank, so you must have not sued the drug company. And she said, well, that same pill killed several people and they got all the money and us that were struck by blindness didn't get a penny. Really? Yeah. That that obviously sounds very terrible. Yeah. Not right. Yeah. I... I don't know if they had like X amount to pay out. You know, they say, well, we'll have a $200 million settlement. And since all you guys died, your families get the money and there's nothing left. I didn't ask her and I don't know that she would know, but that just seems so wrong on so many levels. Did she say what the pill did to other people besides blindness or was it just death or I blindness? Think it, that's all that I, I didn't really pursue the line of questioning, but that was my impression that for whatever reason, your makeup or your something, physiological makeup, some people it killed and some people it made blind. And I don't know if it didn't do anything to others or not, but yikes. That's an interesting thing. You're talking about that, and I'm thinking myself, here I am the judge Mm -hmm. in front of these people that have their, of course, you know, having their family members die because they took a pill is absolutely horrific. 
but having to live with no sight directly related to a pill taking, I would certainly, you know, eke out some money for those people that lost their sight. Yeah. Yeah, I don't quite understand that. Maybe someday, actually, I'm probably going to talk to her again in the next two or three weeks. So I may, I may shoehorn that into the conversation and see if she knows any more. But onto a lighter subject before I maybe get to one deep one, if we have time. I was at the grocery store the other day shopping for orange juice. First of all, I guess, are you an orange juice drinker? When I... There's a restaurant in in my town that's on the main drag, and I know you know which one it is. It's a little high, a little higher priced. Oh yeah, one they have the best orange juice I've ever had in the yeah. world, and it's supposedly fresh squeezed, and it's very, very incredibly smooth. I don't like the tartness of some orange juices. Yeah, if it's smooth. I can drink it all day long. How about in terms of pulp? I can drink it with pulp, sure. Okay. Yeah. It is funny because that was part A of the question was how much pulp do you like in your orange juice? Because on this particular day, all they had was no pulp, which I don't really like. But when you do get freshly squeezed orange juice, whether you do it yourself, which is always fun, or if you're guaranteed, like in your case, that it is, it does taste a lot sweeter than mass-produced even though it's supposedly 100% orange juice and all that. And I don't know if if it, I mean, do they, I wonder if they put some preservatives or something in it, even though it is, quote, 100% orange juice, but it's definitely not as sweet as either eating an orange or drinking freshly squeezed orange juice. Correct. I've seen orange juice containers in our store near us that says it's fresh squeezed, and it's clear bottles, and then the bottom, that's where all the pulp is. Yeah. That, to me, looks like it's, you know, air quotes, fresh squeezed. Okay. And I'm assuming they sell it within one or two days. Otherwise, they would probably have to throw it out if there are no preservatives in it. Okay. So I'll have to look for that sometime for fun. So in the grand scheme of juices, are you – a like a grape, an apple, cherry, grapefruit, or orange. Do you have any favorites or grape? Grape. I can drink grape anytime, anywhere. And, and this is cider. purple apple cider. Apple cider. Do they make that all times of the year or just in Halloween season? I think they make it most of the year. There's a there's a cider mill way north of us on the west side of our state that I believe has cider all the time there. Okay. I think you can keep apples in a climate controlled area for a long time and then they'll squeeze them and and sell the cider and whatnot. I'm assuming. And the difference, does cider have more apple in it or does it have more other ingredients or what makes it cider? You probably... I don't... I Actually, I don't know, but I do know that three or four years ago there was a law that stated you couldn't do the preservative type stuff anymore Hmm. in the cider. I don't know what it was, but they were trying to make cider more pure, I guess. Interesting. It used to be. It definitely has more flavor than apple juice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But can they make cider out of any other fruit? I just thought of that. Jeez. I don't, I don't know, but, but, what other fruit would you be able to make that much juice out of without yeah. costing an arm and a leg? Yeah. Like, a, I mean, I don't like pears, but could you peaches? I mean, there is peach I and pear there's juice, there's I cherries. guess. Yeah. yeah. There's cherry concentrate. I'd have to look at the bottles on all of those and see what kind of, uh, you know, preservatives they put in it. I, I can't believe any of those fruits can stay on the shelf for more than a couple of days without having to be tossed out. Interesting. All right. Or given to the homeless, one of the two. There you go. There you go. Back to you, G-Man. A clinical psychologist. (laughs) And I always call out their name. 
when they do something this stupid. Nanika Coors says, this is about parenting and disciplining your kids, okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Now, please don't (laughs) laugh until I'm done. Okay. Okay. All right. Rather than inflicting physical or emotional pain, exclusion, shame, or punitive consequences from the stance of adult supremacy, (laughs) don't laugh, use gentle discipline centering around guidance, teaching, and modeling, along with age-appropriate limits and boundaries. Now you can laugh. (laughs) Adult superiority, was that the term? I'd never heard that. Adult superiority, meaning that, you know, you're the adult, you know, and you have, I guess, the supremacy to be able to inflict pain and shame and exclusion on these kids that you're disciplining. But wait a minute, just instead, why don't we do this? Why don't we teach them and model them along with, you know, it, we'll just graduate our supremacy toward them <laughs> on their age limits and their boundaries and recognize those as we, I don't know if I even want to use the word discipline, our children. <laughs> I, I guess we'll, we'll call it model our children when they do something wrong. Now, when you were growing up, <laughs> did your mom and dad think about all that stuff when you did something really bad before they decided to do an age-appropriate <laughs> discipline on you? I'm sure it did not even enter their thought. I guess the good news is that I was a pretty darn good kid. <laughs> I think we may have talked about uh, that a while back in terms of like being grounded or, or spanked or disciplined in any way. Sent. I, I'm sure I should ask my siblings how often they remember themselves or me or whoever being like sent to their room uh, you know, no dessert. Those were about as strong as uh, the punishments were wielded out. You can't play with friends. Um, no TV, maybe. What was your sort of range of punishments from like least severe to most severe? The most severe I was ever punished was sitting in a chair in the middle of the room for five minutes. <laughs> With people around? No, or, no, just go sit oh, in a chair oh, for five minutes. Yeah. And, and it was like it was like life prison imprisonment <laughs> for five minutes. That's the kind of kid I was like, you know. And so that was one of those, was that one of those think about what you did? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, I do yeah. remember something like that. You, you push my last button, go sit in the chair. And, oh, God, no. <laughs> no, spank me, hit me, drag me behind the car, not the chair. <laughs> chair five minutes in the chair and it felt like it was five hours it was it was really amazing and you know what truly i remember my brother saying we had to do that and i don't remember ever having to do it for a punishment but i'm sure i did yeah so it was what i'm telling everybody out there was it sounded really horrible which it probably was to me when i was seven years old and I was 2,000 horsepower running around. Yeah. You know, and you got to sit in a chair for five minutes. But, but I made sure I never, ever did again what I did to cause my parents to tell me to sit in a chair for five minutes. <laughs> oh, man. So there, there was no, uh, I guess, between you and your siblings, groundings or taking away desserts or no TV or any of that. Do you recall much of that? No. No. I don't really recall much of it either. No, hmm. I don't. I don't. Uh, never. Nobody was ever grounded in my yeah. family, and certainly nobody had their dessert taken from them because that would that would be all out riot in the prison <laughs> if they did that. But but there was a there was something about my mother that she she had five kids, mm-hmm. and they were they were all within um, ten years of no fifteen years of each other. And we were all completely different from each other. And halfway through the day, she'd want to take a, like a little 10, 15-minute nap. Yeah. And, and my brother reminds me again 
that when she would be taking her little nap and we'd come up and we'd want to ask her something, <laughs> she would open one eye <laughs> and and look at us. And we would, just as we were about to tap her, she'd open an eye because she knew we were there. And we wouldn't tap her. We'd walk away until she got up because we knew. <laughs> My parents never once ever hit us. Not once. Yeah. Not ever. But there was that psychological thing of, I don't want to get to that point where she gets right. up off the couch because I wanted my banana peeled and uh, she had to do that in the middle of her nap, which she yeah. needed badly because right. we put her on the couch. <laughs> I put her on the couch mostly. Oh, man, that's good. Speaking of which, I wasn't going to jump to this, but since you mentioned it, have you ever seen anyone slip on a banana peel? <laughs> Only in the movies. <laughs> yeah. Have there you? was a, I don't think so. There was a comic writer on a podcast or something, and on the cover of his book on comedy, he had a banana peel, which universally is known as, you know, a funny thing. But it's interesting. I mean, when you think of it, it probably would be slippery, but it would be such an uncommon thing to happen in real life that it's kind of surprising that that's kind of become the icon or the the go-to for something funny of someone slipping on a banana peel. Well, everything comes in full circle, I guess, because if you're in San Francisco or any of the big blue cities, you can certainly slip on a banana peel there. That's right true. Right on the sidewalk. Yeah. Because they don't have any garbage places other than on the sidewalk. So, Well, yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was interesting. All right, here's something that I – do you have any other, like, uh, medium, medium to – large things that you want to speak oh, about you, you you go ahead i'll all right I'll, uh, follow all right you. Th and this may not take a long time i don't know so this kind of started dennis prager from prager U, a great uh organization and he has a fireside chat and he talks about a lot of stuff and i agree with probably in the high to mid 90s of what he talks about and he's jewish and he you know happy proudly jewish and good for him. Jewish people are, for the most part, just as good as everyone else and sometimes better. Um, and so I don't know if, if that's where this little bit of philosophy he espoused comes from, but he had a, like a, his fireside chat, he basically talks about for 10 minutes about some topic and then he answers questions. But one of the things he talked about was expectations. And he says, and I don't have any quotes of his, but he doesn't like to have expectations because then I think his theory was if he has expectations and that happens, then it's just like, well, I expected it to happen and it happened, so no big deal. If it doesn't happen, then you're let down or you feel bad or whatever. So his kind of thing was you shouldn't have expectations. So before I go on, what are your thoughts about expectations? That's the good question that I don't think about much. As far as, I guess I, you, you're saying that, and I'm saying to myself, oh, see, I expect you to do this, and then they do it, and I don't feel let down when it's done. I feel, I, I feel like, you know, that's just every day. Mm -hmm. life that it gets done the way it's supposed to when I expect it that way and any of the ex expectations that don't work out for me I would have to say probably didn't work out for a particular reason right. so the reasons and the expectations have to fall in line with each other for both of them to work correctly and sometimes they don't do that and I, I'm fully aware that that can happen, so I'm not bummed out that what I expect to happen doesn't necessarily happen or that I know that it will happen and, and it does occur. So how about, how about expectations, and I thought about this, in terms of when you were little and you were expecting to get something for Christmas and... So on the one hand, you could say, well, if I expect it to get a new train set and I do, then 
maybe I'm not as excited about it because I expected it. Whereas if I didn't expect it, then I would be super happy and I wouldn't be let down if I didn't get it. But it seems like if you don't have expectations of yourself or of someone else, you don't really believe in yourself or someone else. Ex expectations in yourself? Yeah, like if, I mean, I kind of transitioned, but if you expect yourself to do good work when you go to work, I mean, why wouldn't you expect yourself, like in your instance, I've got a job to do today and I expect that I'm going to do it well. But his, his was postulating that you shouldn't have any expectations of either other people or really of yourself. Uh, I suppose that could be put in another term. Okay. Which I would have to think about what that term would be because um, I automatically assume in my mind that what I expect to happen will happen. Yeah. And I'm not disappointed if some things that I expect happen to happen don't happen because I, I just don't dwell on things that long to, to be disappointed to the point where I'm bummed out about it or whatever. I move on from that and I, I correct it in whichever way, shape, or form it has to be to make the correction, and then I move on. I, I, I guess not dwelling on it is a part of not worrying about it with your expectations. Yeah. I know another thing he was saying was that if you don't, like in the case of a Christmas present, if you don't expect it and then it happens, then you'll be pleasantly surprised. And, you know, like, I guess there's a lot of circumstances that, like you say, I, I expect that I'm going to do well on this test. But if you have no expectations, is that sort of lowering the bar internally and in saying, oh, well, I better not expect that I'll do well because then if I don't, I'll be disappointed. Yes, I. If you think that way, I, I, I would. I don't necessarily think that way. As far as the test goes, when I was going through school and stuff, I always knew what I was probably going to get by the amount <laughs> of studying I did on it. So I was not expecting anything more or less than what I got, and I didn't think at the time that I was maybe. Uh, bummed out about the fact that I was thinking that way. I was just being rational. Yeah. When I, I guess, I, I guess, that. yeah, maybe the key is realistic expectations as opposed to, you know, the, the classic where the nerd asks the cheerleader to the prom or something like that and gets turned down, um, which may or may have not happened to one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I knew she said something to you. I knew that. Oh, man. Oh, that's good. So anyways, here's here's where this leads. And so I was reading this article that was written probably, I don't know, 115 years ago. So you can, some words like he, this author used the word progressive, and he's not talking about today's progressive, which you'll probably see in the context. And the, the article wasn't about expectation, but I just came across that. So this is one of those deep thinking things that you may or may not want to comment on, but our listeners may find it interesting. So think of this in the context of expectation. And then in the second paragraph, he talks about survival of the fittest as a whole different concept. So he says, faith is not mere hope multiplied by itself. These qualities are positive expressions of mental power. They stand for expectation, for confidence, for spiritual mindedness, for the onward sweep of divine revelation in human thought. The expectant thought is the progressive thought, prepared for grasp of opportunity and for increase of good. True expectancy stifles the cramping notion of a world of grasping self-centered units against which is ranged a horde of unfriendly forces in combat and compels the stimulating conviction that all the forces of God's universe are cooperating with a man who seeks to do 
God's will. So I'll stop there for a minute. That last part. Is he talking about Jesus there? No, not specifically, but I mean, you certainly, uh, you could draw that, that conclusion. But just the idea that when you do God's will, when you seek to do God's will, you can almost expect that good things are going to happen. 100%. 100%. I mean, you think of people today and, and their low vocabulary and the limited words that they use, and then you read a paragraph like that, which you could just pick apart each sentence and, and get something out of it. It's pretty cool. And so this other idea I had never thought of, and I don't know what the transition he's really making, but he says... The survival of the fittest is not the salvation of one and the extinction of many. It is not the placing or displacing of individuals. It is the survival of those qualities in men which are fit to survive. I like that. That's really cool. I've never thought good. of that. Yes. That's uh, that's a very, I've never, and, and in all the years, I've never heard anything close to s- I guess dissecting that, you know, survival of the fittest. Yeah, yeah. So based on that, I mean, it, he he says a little bit more, but if you think of survival of the fittest qualities, what do you think are the qualities that have helped you most along the way? My faith in God is number one. All right. The that's the I talk about and I laugh when I talk about all the medical field and things like that. And again, I, I say, I, I, two of my best friends were doctors, you know, God bless them. Uh, my, my upbringing, uh, through my parents and through the way they grew up, giving me the faith and the knowledge of, I won't, I won't get too preachy here, even though I am a reverend, everyone, by the way, um, <laughs> that, 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 that was the most powerful thing. My brother wrote a letter to my mother once, and, and, and he said, it was about, he said, the greatest thing you taught me was no fear. Oh, wow. Was no fear. And, and he never had any, none of us, none of us ever had any fear of, of things like, you know, you know, like the, the fake-demic. You got to get your shots. You got to do this. You got to do that. They never, never crossed that line. Not one time. That is a big one. It the is. Big, the big one. And just for the record, did you say reverend or irreverent? I'm both. I'm a, I'm, okay. I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm both. An irreverent reverend. Yes, exactly. Oh, man. Yep. I'm one stuff. of the few. I'm one of the few yeah. that are self-proclaimed. You know, so, <laughs> yes. I am totally irrelevant in lots of things. Irreverent. Oh. I'm sorry. Irreverent. There we go. There's two different ones there. Yeah, I can for be sure. Both. All right. What you got cooking? Hey, the Department of State. <laughs> hey, they're warning us. They're warning the staff, I should say, of their Department of State in the government mm-hmm. not to say. Now, it's going to take about 30 seconds. OK, don't say this when you're in the Department of State. Manpower. You guys, ladies and gentlemen, mother, father, son, daughter, husband, wife, manpower, labor force, everyone, you all, parent, folks, child, spouse, or partner. I went through that whole litany, and I said, what do you say then? Hey, you? Hey, Zizer. Yeah, Zizerzim, Zatzuzim. So the reason for that is because it's not inclusive, or do they say why? They, I, I didn't get the whole gist of, of <laughs> all I got was the fact that the Department of State said do not, warning the staff not to say those words. And I guess what, what they're doing is they're trying to get rid of what, the nuclear family? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the backbone of America. Don't say husband or wife. Or, uh, what, what, what do you say? What are they? You can't say parent, husband or wife, mother, father. What words are you? Are, seriously, are they saying zizemzer? 
Zizelf, Zemzelf? I, I don't know, but as a uh, colary, colary uh, related to that, I'll say, it really creeps <laughs> me out when people talk about someone's partner, because immediately I you don't think they're know gay. if they're. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, I was asking, I'm I'm doing some minor work for someone, and she hasn't gotten back to me because she's been busy and. So I checked with someone else who knows her and he said, well, her, I think, I, I think the guy said, well, she has two kids and her partner's in law school. So what are you to make of that? She's gay. Oh, and maybe she's not. I mean, I've met her and I can't tell by that, but, oh, it's just so annoying that the idea that you have to reduce <laughs> because, you know, it could be that she's got a husband and some people call that a partner, which just brings to mind a business transaction, which is just so despicable. I don't know why they can't just say, A, she's a lesbian and this is the lady who pretends to be her wife or this is her <laughs> boyfriend and so he's a partner somehow. It just, that that word in that context really, really roils my skin. Yeah, I, if if she is not gay, and she has a air quotes partner, say yeah, she's just say the guy she's living with. Yeah, just say that, and then everything's everything's copacetic with me as far as that goes. When you say partner to me, that means it's another person that's the same sex. Yeah, and it didn't used to be, but no, now it definitely no. feels like that. Yeah, exactly. It's like. It's like, I don't know, they opened the floodgates and now anybody and everybody can decide they want to be this way. And then I would like to know how many people switch over and go back to being normal after they've been that way. Yeah, I know there's more and more studies. And of course, all the people on the mentally deluded side say, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. Here's all the reasons. But then the more studies you do, and I was listening to a, a show that... Uh, Stacy Eastwood was once interviewed for, and one of the women has written a book. She interviewed a bunch of detransitioners, mostly women who thought mentally incorrectly they were men, and then they transitioned back. And just the horrific experiences they have, both going and then coming back to their native sex or gender, <laughs> or whatever. But oh, it's just it just turns your stomach to hear what they went through. It is a very sorry state of affairs when people decide they want to switch and go the other way, literally everything, mm -hmm. and then yeah. decide once they're there that that wasn't the right thing to do. That's that's a, an incredible mind, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Amen. Oh man. Well, we'll have to we'll have to watch the State Department. Um, yeah, I was thinking our, our interview from a couple of weeks ago, he worked for the State Department, but I'm sure that was long before they went totally off the rails. Oh, yeah. he's uh, If he's 100 years old, uh, yeah, that's that's got to be a long time ago. Well, but, you know, how long ago did they go off the rails? Let's think about that. It's okay. only been maybe, maybe, what, 10, 15 years? Probably. That, that everything has come totally unglued as far as, as how people are thinking. I would love to have uh, uh, Dennis Prager come on and be the moderator, the guy mm -hmm. be behind the podium, behind the cameras, and then have, I don't know, 50, 50 people up in front of him that believe all of this garbage that's going on, like in the government, with yeah. saying you can't say this, you can't do that. People are this way, and, and you can't do that with this or the other thing. And then, and then just talk to them about that and have them try to fight for what they think. And it's funny because every time you hear of a conservative wanting to do that, he or she never gets any takers. Just like you have a hard time and we even have a hard time in general finding people to come on the right angle that aren't from the right side. That was the other thing I was talking to my beloved bride about too today was the fact that 
I said something, and she said, well, you better not say that in front of so-and-so. And I go, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I said, I would absolutely say that in front of that person. And, and why wouldn't I? Because the left, the far left are the people that scream in your face about their erroneous thoughts and beliefs in the world. I'd, I'd throw it right back at them. I, I, I beg people to come forward and talk to me about that stuff because they don't have a leg to stand on. And so the question is, we've often talked about our aliasness, if you will, and the fact that the reason that we are doing this in the first place is that we only could on the condition of our wives that we didn't reveal our true identities. <laughs> so will the day come when we will, for whatever reason, stand up willingly or unwillingly or because we feel we Ooh, have no well, other choice than to say our true names and reveal our what, true beings? I, I, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it's like I say, I, I say that jokingly, but, but at the same time, like I said at the beginning of the broadcast, I, I would love to talk to my super left friend again about everything that's failed uh -huh. with the policies of the government right now. So I guess someday, like Kiss Unmasked, Oh maybe, yeah. Maybe we okay. will we will become a right. mess just like Kiss did. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. Can you relate to this? A uh, a guy was telling me about the secret of his happy 50-year marriage. And so what he said is I let my wife make all of the small decisions and she lets me make the big ones. And I said, "Give me an example of a big one." And he said, "According to her, there haven't been any yet." <laughs> <laughs> that's very telling <laughs> yes oh man yeah that is uh i, I thought and, you were gonna say alcohol but but that's that one's too common yeah exactly and so along those lines obviously that was a joke some comedian said but how often this is a real question how often have you and your wife disagreed about whether a plate or a bowl or some sort of dish needs to go through the dishwasher, and have you ever won that argument? I've never had that argument with her. Really? No. Really? I've never, never had it. I, well, I, it's never been an argument. I can, yeah, I can wash okay. off a plate. She'll say, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's still some blah, blah on there, and I just I throw it under there again, and, and, then, I, and then I throw it in. I don't. When it comes to dishwash, when it comes to dishwashing, as I've said before, I do, I do, all the dishes. She wipes them, so okay. I I get them pretty clean. So we never all had right. that argument. How about okay. you? How I know you have. Well, I, I, like if I use a knife for like a little bit of butter, or if I put a piece of bread on a plate, and then I just sort of rinse it off, or wipe it off or something and I start to put it away. It's like, no, 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 it's got to run through the dishwasher. <laughs> and I don't know that I'd ever have uh, won that. You, you said, honey, didn't you ever live in a dorm in college? <laughs> yeah. Come on. You know, you go. that's way more oh. sanitary than what we used to have. Yeah. And how about with clothes? Is it the same way with clothes? It's like, hey, gee, man, that needs to go in the dirty clothes. No, it doesn't. I only wore it once. Yes. We've had that one, but, okay. but it's never an argument. She takes it and throws it in the dirty clothes yeah. and then, then yeah. I'm done with it. Okay. So I'm, I'm like an amphibian. I don't sweat. That's right. You had mentioned yeah, that. Yeah. I don't, unless it's a hundred degrees, I don't sweat. So I, I just feel like when I take, you know, a sweatshirt off and I've worn it all day, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not, yeah, I don't, I don't sweat. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, we have done it again. More good stuff. And G-Man, you are going to record our next right angle from on location, I understand. I believe that. Yes, I believe that wholeheartedly that I'll be on location somewhere in the South. And uh, I might tell people where I'm at and I might not. Depends okay. Depends on uh, if the city's blue or red. Who knows? All right. Yep. And you might try to find a uh, guest yes. interviewer down there, interviewee. Yep. Excellent. 
I, I'm going to try my best to do that and find try to find somebody interesting in the southern part of the United States. Right. May well, not I'm happen, sure you but you never know. Okay. All right. Well, we have that to look forward to along with much more good stuff. And that's why we love you to come back every week to the right angle. That was easy.